I'm Austin. I'm Mike. We are the test drivers. And we put tech through its paces. And oh boy, are things gonna get spicy this episode. Spicy? What's gonna be spicy? <laughs> Look, uh, your boy may or may not have stirred up a little bit of uh, internet drama. <laughs> you're Just, an international controversy right now, aren't you? Uh, uh, mm, we'll, we'll talk a little bit we'll about that later, that. I think. We'll get to that. We, I, I've got some Microsoft-related follow-up that I want to do. So, uh, friend of the show, which I love being able to say that, friend of the show, <laughs> Panos Pane has received a big promotion. Uh, Panos is now an executive vice president at Microsoft, which makes him part of the leadership team who advises Satya directly. I, I mean, I think I mentioned this. I may have mentioned just to you at the time that I kind of couldn't believe that he wasn't already part of the mm-hmm. leadership team. So they've done something yeah. that they want to do. This is from a, a, a quote from the press release. From a corporate standpoint, this is from The Verge, sorry. This means Windows will have a seat at the senior leadership table for the first time since former Windows chief Terry Myerson departed in 2018. This is really interesting, right? Like, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about Windows in a, in a minute, but... The way that they are treating Windows at Microsoft right now is counter so much to the way that they treat Windows over the last few years, where like yes. Satya was just like, we don't even care about Windows effectively, right? <laughs> like he's just like, it's not our business anymore. We are like a services company. But now they're like putting all this effort back into Windows again, which I applaud. Yeah, no, it, it definitely seems like there was a few years where I don't say like Windows was like in the wilderness, but like there was certainly a little bit of a weird focus of like, we're doing all these things. We're focusing on Xbox and Azure and all these kind of things. And they're yeah, like, oh, that was wait a focus, minute, actually, right? yes, yes. So it's good to see. And of course, Satya does, uh, I'm sorry, Panos does more than just Windows, right? He also works on the devices and everything. Um, I'm not going to say that it was his impeccable uh, sort of episode of the test drivers <laughs> that really kind of, when Satya listened to it, he's like, man, this guy, I feel like he needs a promotion. He's places. <laughs> Uh, this guy knows what's up. I'm not going to say that's what happened because clearly very talented dude. But yeah, of course, huge congrats to Panos. And now yeah. that he's a real big wig, maybe he'll still make some time for no, his buddies. No, he's never coming Austin on the show Mike. again. <laughs> he's never coming on the show again now. It worked out so well for him, clearly, right? <laughs> no, he's done with us now. I still look, honestly, like just a fanboy from a minute. I still look back so fondly on that episode. Like it was yeah. so good to have that conversation with him. I do genuinely hope that we're able to to get him back on the show, even though now he's too important for us yeah it's like hey sorry can you just tell satya to chill uh come hang out record a little bit for us so just tell us more about windows 12 real quick uh microsoft to change some of the system requirements for windows 11 oh so. man what a great segue mike i was a that was an a plus segue hey, to i do it i do my Look, thing I, so this is a story that i'm kind of surprised it took this long to happen so essentially yeah. to for the listeners who maybe weren't deeply clued in to the Windows 11 ecosystem. When it was announced, there was a lot of confusion over the actual support of Windows 11 and systems. And I actually did a video kind of testing out, trying to upgrade a few different systems to Windows 11. And essentially, the gist of it is, uh, Windows 11 isn't a massively huge upgrade on the specs that you actually need to run. So it's like, you know, like a dual core processor and 64-bit, but it's like pretty much anything that runs Windows 10 should be able to run Windows 11 with the exception of needing a TPM 2.0 module, which that paired with, uh, they had pretty limited CPU requirements that even though you only needed a one gigahertz dual core, it also had to be on their whitelist, which was only of systems from the last few years. Thankfully, they have now walked this back, 
but in a weird well, way not, that's not like... not really. I mean, like, <sighs> partly, but not really. They've done two things where they've expanded compatibility for some other machines. I'll get to those in a minute. But then also said, like, oh, hey, anything will kind of work, but you have to upgrade at your own risk. You have to do a manual install with your own ISO, and you may not get any security updates ever again. I mean, part of that, I'll chalk up to the idea that they're just trying to kind of hedge their bets. Like, hey, look, you know, if you really want to do this, it's not officially supported, but, you know, it'll probably be fine. Like, I wouldn't be massively concerned if I have a an unsupported system. I would still upgrade to Windows 11, realistically. Right. Um, there's obviously an expiration date on Windows 10. There'll be a lot of systems that will be, what, five, six years old at this point when the Windows 10 loses support that are still perfectly capable of being used as regular systems. So without having tried this sort of new manual install, all that kind of stuff, my priors are that there's no reason why Windows 11 won't work on these systems. And while technically they might be slightly less secure, they're no less secure than the system that you're running it as right now with Windows 10. So this is a good move. I don't know. I kind of think it's a little weird that they're like, you have to manually re reinstall everything and blah, blah, blah. But like, sure, I guess. If that's the compromise versus telling everyone, here's a giant flaming middle finger and uh, stay on Windows 10 forever, this seems like a little bit more of a compromise. Because yeah, Microsoft as well, they're saying like their reason for this whole thing of like installing it yourself manually is so businesses can check if it's going to run, how it's going to run on their machines and if their apps are going to work, like that's why they're doing yeah. it. But obviously anybody can do this. So yeah, I mean, this isn't ideal. I mean, I think this really for most people would be a stopgap. Like you would do this in the meantime until you eventually upgrade your machine. Especially yeah. the security updates thing is that that's a big... This is a thing uh, that, that has been like posited as we, at time of recording. And mm -hmm. it seems like a lot of news sites are asking Microsoft about it and they're just not giving an answer yet. So Yeah. I mean, this very much sounds like they're like you know, do it at your own risk, but also I'm sure it'll be fine. Like, it, to me, it will be weird if you install Windows 11 and it's straight up, you do not get updates. Like, I, I don't know, maybe there might be some specific features or some small things, but like, yeah. I'd be surprised if it Windows 11... very uh, yeah. good for them. Like, I don't think yeah. this, that's going to help them all in the long run. Yeah. So they've expanded the system requirements to include some more... Uh, more chips, some more CPUs. Uh, Intel's Core X uh, series and Xeon W series, the Core 7820HQ, which is found in the Surface Studio 2, which, uh, good work, guys, because yeah. you really you need to be supporting at least your own hardware in this. <laughs> um, and it's yeah. a, the AMD Zen 1 processor family was something that was uh, queried as if it would be supported. They've said it will not be. Yeah. Um... Uh, it's awkward. Pat, pat. This whole thing is pretty rough, like it's because it's yeah. complicated and super complicated. It's for I think from a, a consumer standpoint, it's like difficult to even understand why they're doing it because it's mm -hmm. there is a part of it that does feel a little arbitrary. But yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's like well, these systems can actually run it, but it's just not officially supported, or it doesn't have the TPM module or whatever. But the machines can yeah. run it because you can install it yourself. But Microsoft yeah. is saying this is not what we want. So it's this is a weird one, but personally, I am excited for Windows 11 myself because I think it looks really cool. I agree. I, I Windows 11 is shaping up to be, I think, a even a more significant upgrade than it sort of first looked like when they had announced it. 
there's a lot of stuff that they've really like rebuilt and sort of as more and more of the insider builds kind of roll out. I mean, it's a it's a good upgrade, right? Like I mm-hmm. think that Windows 11, while yes, there's this sort of controversy that is, you know, trying to get it in the first place. But once you're up and running on Windows 11, it seems like a solid update. I still think there's potential for a lot of trouble when this actually rolls out. Now, they've done at least some sort of basic work to make this a little bit easier. So that, uh, what is it, like the system advisor tool or whatever that you can run to tell you if you can run Windows 11, it now is a lot more detailed as opposed to saying like, oh, well, too bad, Uh, stay on Windows 10. (laughs) Now it's like, hey, you might have TPM, maybe go check it on your motherboard or whatever. Like It's a little bit more detailed on why, if you can't run Windows 11, what those reasons are, which I think is absolutely the bare minimum when people go, why is my, you know, three-year-old, $1,300 $1,300 laptop not supporting the new OS. Are you kidding me? So uh, I guess good job on that. My gaming PC that I built within the last few months, like I ran it and it was just like, no. Yeah. Right? Like a terrible like, experience. Uh, what? <laughs> and the sound thing, because like I kind of, I, you know, I, I had a little bit more knowledge and it's like, oh, let me go, go and try and see if I can change something in the BIOS, which I could and it was fine. But originally yeah. the tool was just like, no, you can't do this. I'm like, hang on a yeah. minute. I paid a lot of money for this. You know, so <laughs> it is good that they're, that they're adding it and they're also adding in uh, support for these other chips as well that, that they're increasing so it's good it's not great like i mean this stuff's gonna be so frustrating right like they've got this whole Mm -hmm. big story about windows 11 and all anyone's talking about is like the fact that it's not gonna run the machine it's like this yeah you know sometimes you look at things and you're like could you have made this easier on yourself probably yeah i I get it it's a big change it's you know obviously microsoft is this huge company and there's a lot of moving pieces a lot of different factions inside who all have different goals i'm sure the security team's like please drop everything the oldest thing you can because i don't have to deal with it but also there's you know hundreds of millions of people who are using the systems and i think you have to have some consideration for the support that you give those people right uh and unless you run into like a windows xp system where everyone just stays in windows 10 and they're sort of forced to continue updating it for a long time. I also this is I think a an acceptable compromise. It's still not ideal, but I'm glad at least that they've kind of eased off from their stance of like old systems go away. We don't want you anymore. I would be willing to put money down on them extending the uh, end of life date for Windows 10. Mm-hmm. I would put money on that that that, that yeah. they will push that date out further. I, I think so as well, especially because uh, apparently some of the features from Windows 11, I believe it's uh, some of the stuff on the gaming side. I'm not entirely clear on what exactly it is, but apparently some of the Windows 11 features are being backported to Windows 10, mostly for the reason of just if they want developers to sort of support some of the gaming-specific features. Mm. I believe it's direct storage, but don't quote me on that. They want people to, you know, have as wide of an install base as possible because basically all PC gamers right now are on Windows 10 pretty much just full stop so yeah 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 um there's some other news though mike they actually announced some release dates and some mm, so yeah october 5th october 5th is when this is very strange when windows 11 will begin rolling out which is very peculiar to me uh to eligible (laughs) windows 10 pcs and pcs that come preloaded of windows 11 will start to become available for purchase it seems like that they want to stage the release a little bit which isn't a bad idea right because if there's something bad that happens like this happens to apple every now and then right like you that you can uh you can pull back and you can change it. Uh, and especially like it must be even more complicated for Microsoft because they cannot understand like every single configuration of every type of computer, oh right? Oh God, yeah. It's like yeah. a vastly harder testing issue. 
Um, and also they, they've confirmed that at the Android app support, that's not going to be coming until likely 2022. So that's still mm-hmm. in testing with the Insider program. Uh, but all of the other features, the system features that we like the look of, they are all coming. Yeah, and I think it's a totally fair compromise. There's a lot of work. Like Even if Microsoft feels 1,000% good with their implementation, you still need to give some developers time to make yep. sure that, oh, you know, your app works or whatever. Like yeah. I-, I get that that's something that's going to take a little bit more time. They only get fine. one like, first impression with that feature and and that feature is going to be so complicated and tricky to get right like i would prefer Mm -hmm. to wait and get it right rather than like have this whole thing and people just feel like no this is this is bad yeah yeah and i mean i think you can look at it um obviously the mac supports ios apps now um i'll say that i find that basically not useful at all because there's no apps that i find are a really good experience on mac that i also can't have some other sort of way of getting up and running and if it's a somewhat similar thing with the Android apps running on Windows, yeah, you're right. First impression, you try to go, oh, this sucks, and you're never going to think about it again, especially because you kind of have to go through some hoops to get these Android apps. You're not just being a like, bunch of hoops, oh, yeah. you just happen to run it. So, yeah. Uh, but it's, I think it's overall, all of this put together, positive news for Microsoft. I think it's, uh, they're making some good steps. Uh, I think they're trying to salvage a little bit of the, the drama, I guess, that they had run into with like everyone's excited about Windows 11 for like 15 minutes, and then people realized they couldn't run it and got it salty, and that kind of dominated the news coverage. This seems like them trying to take a little bit more control over the narrative and be like, hey, wait, no, Windows 11 is really good. We're making some changes, and guess what's coming out in actually just a little over a month now, which is definitely sooner than I thought. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I thought it was going to be maybe much closer towards the end of the year. If, if I can just apply my Mac users' bias to this whole topic. I think it's good that Microsoft are killing off support for some older systems, like just in general. Mm-hmm. Not newer stuff, but like much older stuff. Like Windows is supported, in my opinion, on <laughs> systems that are way too old and it holds them back. Like it holds Microsoft yeah. back from being able to put cool new features into the operating system because they still have to support things from like 10 years ago. And I mm-hmm. understand that like it's expensive to change out uh, equipment. Yeah. <clears throat> Like, uh, I did a video on Windows 365 recently. And as yeah. part of that, I was trying to load up Windows 365, which is just basically a browser, like, it's a browser-based version of Windows. It's, like, running in the cloud. Uh, I was trying to load up on some old systems. And I dug out this old Lenovo. It's, like, a 2008, like, Core 2 Duo system. And uh, I had actually bought it a few years ago just with the idea that it was one of the oldest systems I could get my hands on that was technically supported by Windows 10. Um, it's obviously not a great experience, but, like, it, it technically works. And you get a system like that, and you're like, you know what? We can leave this behind. We don't need Windows 11 on that. Like, I, yeah, I agree. There's certainly a line. But the thing is, like we've talked about in the past, there's been such a rich history of Windows supporting so many devices. That's why it's It's a little bit of like a, it's a shock, right? It's like everyone expects, like, I'm going to get, you know, 10, 12, 15 years. And then that turns into two or three overnight. So now at least I think we're kind of coming to a little bit more of a middle point where it's like, okay, at least you'll be able to update to Windows 11. Or alternatively, a lot of people won't, and they'll just stick with Windows 10, and then Microsoft will be sad. But yeah, we'll see how it goes. All right, I want to give everybody an update about our St. Jude campaign. So uh, as of time of recording, we've raised over $75,000 for St. Jude's Children's (laughs) Research Hospital. So thank you so much to everybody that has donated so far. Um, I will remind you all that September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. So for the third consecutive year, Relay FM is joining together to support the life-saving mission of St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, which is finding cures and saving children. 
Why do we do this? Well, because cancer kills more children under the age of 14 than any other disease. Doctors from all 50 states in the US and around the world refer their patients to St. Jude because they have the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive childhood cancers. And St. Jude also provides thousands of free consultations for doctors treating children worldwide, including kids in your community. So this September, join Relay FM's efforts to raise the funds and awareness needed to treat and defeat childhood cancer. Donate at stjude.org slash relay today. If you make a gift of over $100, you'll receive an exclusive sticker of thanks pack from us at the end of the campaign. And if you uh, have a company that matches uh, charitable donations, please send us an email and we can have that amount routed through to this campaign. Just email Stephen at relay.fm and we can add that in. Don't forget the Relay FM podcastathon for St. Jude will be happening on September 17th from 12 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You can watch along at twitch.tv slash Relay FM. You can tune in and help us support St. Jude and hit all our fundraising goals. Go to stjude.org slash Relay. Let's cure childhood cancer together. Dude, I am so happy with how well it's going this year. It's and like, fine. Uh, dude, it, yeah. Uh, uh, can we just take a quick moment and just uh, give um, a word of uh, condolences to your desk because it's 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 getting <laughs> a little bit out of hand right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, every year we kind of do me and Steven, so my co-founder, we 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 kind of I don't know. We do things to make our lives a little bit worse, so it makes you people want to give though. money. Yeah, but we do it for the kids, right? We're doing it for the kids. And right now, I am absolutely destroying the desk that I record from. So uh, <laughs> both Stephen and I have thousands of stickers of each other's faces, and we, I am slowly adding stickers of Stephen's face to my desk for every $500 total raised and never gets added. And I have added lots of stickers so far, and my <laughs> desk is about 40% covered uh, in Steven's face, and this is just the way that my desk will be forever. It's a, it, I just encourage the listeners, if you've got a second, you're not driving, whatever, pop up in the show notes and just take a look because it's one thing to think like, oh, Mike has a bunch of stickers on a desk. No, 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 you don't understand. It's a horror show over here. Mike has a lot yeah. of stickers on his desk. It's just overlapping faces. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a horror show, man. Uh, but yeah, I do it for the kids. Do it for the kids, man. I love it. All right, let's talk about PlayStation 5. Oh, boy. Yeah, oh you're boy. in trouble. We're already here. Austin's in trouble. I got to go to the principal's do? office now. What'd uh, you do? Uh, I, I did a lot, Mike. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to start some trouble. Okay, PS5 so, is worse. That's what we know. <laughs> what? Where'd you hear that? I, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, okay, okay. So, backing up a little bit. Uh, for a couple months now, there have been some rumors that there would be a new PS5 coming out. There was some, like, I believe FCC filings that, like, showed that there was an updated model with, like, different Wi-Fi. And there was some um, talk about the screw was going to be different on, like, the stand. And what was really kind of caught my eye was there was, I believe, a Japanese regulatory filing, which showed that the new PS5 was 300 grams or about a little over half a pound lighter than the existing PS5 which immediately red flags went up in my head. of Like, why would this be lighter, right? Especially considering that Sony has a, let's say, track record of, um, let's say, uh, modifying consoles pretty regularly, right? I mean, you look at the PS3 generation. I mean, every 15 minutes, it felt like they were pulling features out or whatever or uh, modifying the consoles throughout the life cycle, which, to be fair, everyone does that. That's not exactly a Sony thing. But Sony, I feel like, tends to be a little bit more aggressive 
on removing features and kind of dumbing things down. Like you look at the PS4, for example, and while it actually did have some nice upgrades, namely like with the fan and stuff, it was really hard to tell what kind of PS4 Pro, for mm -hmm. example, you were getting unless you look for the model number, right? So they have a track record of pretty significant changes without a single word. You have to like know what you're looking for, look for the model numbers, and you may get very different thermals, very different power consumption, fan noise, all that kind of stuff. So this thing, it starts to trickle out. So I actually tracked one down in Japan, had it shipped out here. And my first thought was me like, I got to crack this thing open and see what's different, right? So uh, there, I mean, like you might expect, there are some things that were different. So the stand is a little bit easier to put on now. They redesigned that a bit. Um, the Wi-Fi is different. Um, it's actually weird. I looked at it side by side. The old PS5 has four antennas for the Wi-Fi slash Bluetooth. And the new one only has two, mm -hmm. which I, I have not, to be fair, I have not dug any deeper than that. A little bit of a strange choice. But really what the, the, the thing that's gotten me in some hot water online is that I opened it up and the heatsink is significantly smaller. Like, yeah. I mean, if you look at it side by side, they've removed a large chunk of the copper and a ton of the individual aluminum sort of like fins that kind of help to dissipate the heat, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to be fair, they did change the fan a little bit, which isn't, I will say, super exciting because there's already a little bit of a mix. Like, there a lot of PS5s that have shipped over the last year have had like two, three, four different fan models that seem to go in there somewhat at random based on like supply or whatever. Uh, the the fan I got in this PS5 did seem to be a little bit quieter. But on the flip side, with that much of the heatsink that's kind of missing, the thermal temperatures that I was seeing, so I, I ran a thermal camera on the back of both a existing PS5 digital and the new one, the exhaust temperatures I was seeing was significantly higher, three to five degrees Celsius, uh, just like eight, nine degrees. I was the highest I saw on Fahrenheit. So it was hotter. And to me, makes perfect sense. You remove a significant chunk of your heat sink, what the thing that is designed to pull heat away from your processor and exhaust it out, uh, or radiate it out, I guess. The fan mm -hmm. actually is doing the work to pull it. Um, surprise, surprise, the PS5 has been downgraded. So your boy may or may not have made a video to that effect. Yep. As soon as you saw it, uh, stayed up all night editing it, went live. Uh, Mike, I don't know if you're familiar with this thing <laughs> called people who are fans of consoles. They don't yeah. take kindly to you saying that their new P shiny PS5 is is worse. So uh, I just want to, I just want to, mm. we'll come back to this. I just want to like confirm. Like, so basically, with the heatsink being smaller, it yes. is fair to assume mm -hmm. that it will not deal with heat as well. Yes. Right? That's just a pretty fair assumption. The heat, Because what the heat sink is doing is drawing heat away from the processor and other components inside of the machine. Exactly. And if it's smaller, it means that they've that for some reason it's been changed and you would naturally assume not for the better. <laughs> no, no. I mean, the laws of physics are pretty clear. So... If when I cracked open the PS5, there was like some different like uh, ducting or there's another fan or something that was more significant, sure, maybe that makes sense. What this is, is the essentially exact same design as before, but just with less 
heat sink, right? Mm -hmm. And the laws of physics, essentially, like you said, the heat sink is designed, it sits on top of the processor. There's the, I guess, the liquid metal, which they have on the PS5. It basically dissipates that heat from the liquid metal into the heat pipes. The heat pipes, these copper heat pipes run inside of the, the fins, these aluminum sort of fins that are up and down. And there's these copper like sort of masses. All of this is designed to sort of take that heat from the you know small central chip in the middle, spread it out as much as possible. So as the airflow that the fan is pulling through runs across all that aluminum, there's a lot of surface area, which means it's able to kind of like push it out, right? This is not a unique concept. You can think about this a little bit like a CPU cooler if you've ever built a PC, right? Where if you have a stock cooler versus if you have like a bigger, beefier like air cooler, they do the same thing, right? But the difference is when you have that larger mass, right? It's not like some complicated like, oh, it's this or that. I mean, if you have more fins, more copper, more mass, it's more surface area, which means that it's going to be able to dissipate that heat better, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's pretty simple. And so um, a lot of people have taken issue with the idea of like, oh, it's, it's the same, it's fine. But I don't agree, right? My opinion, and I will absolutely stand by this, is that if you take the same design and remove a significant chunk of the cooling, oh, wow, it's, it runs hotter? What? That's crazy. Yeah. Like, that 100% makes sense to me. The laws of physics make that, to me, very clear. And like, but, um, you know, there's... Of course, you can question if it's going to result in a worse experience or failed PS5s or whatever. You can ask that question, right? Like, yes, yes they've reduced the heat sink, but was it maybe they had too much before? Who knows? But you mm -hmm. cannot look at these two and suggest that the new one will not run hotter than the old one. Yes, exactly. Right. Without more significant changes somewhere else in the PS5, that is just simply it almost has to be the case, right? And I mean, I saw hotter temperatures coming out the back, which makes sense, right? If you've got less heat sink, it's like if you have a stock cooler versus a, a you know more expensive, larger you know cooler for your PC, that stock cooler is not going to be able to move the heat as well, which means that not only is your processor running hotter, but also the exhaust that's coming out of is hotter. One of the arguments I've seen many times over the last few days is that the higher temperatures are good because it means it's more thermally efficient, that's removing more heat. But that's not how this works. Like you can't, you can't go take your car, chop your radiator in half, and go, oh, it's running. Look, my radiator's hotter now. It's because it's being more efficient. No, you've got less surface area, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not super complicated. And again, it's like you know, you've you've got to assume. You would like to assume that Sony was like overdoing it in the first place, right? Like yes. that they had, yes. they were really worried. I think Jimmy was saying this in your video, right? They were really because the PlayStation Four had lots of problems with heat. So maybe they were really concerned about the PlayStation 5, so they packed that thing with a massive heat sink to try and dissipate as much heat as possible so they have less issue. And over testing over a longer period of time, people having them in their homes, they've realized, oh, maybe we can run this thing a little bit hotter and it will be fine. But like the point that, that you're making is it's not any of that, right? Like The point is this has changed. Yes. There is, it is completely unknowable as of right now to what, ultimate result that's going to have over the long term. But what you can 100% see right now is that this new model of the PlayStation 5, which I'm assuming is going to be the standard model over time mm -hmm. that will be everywhere, has yeah. a vastly smaller heatsink in it. Yep, exactly. Um, I, yeah, I think you absolutely nailed it there, right? Like, my thought would be that Sony, as they were designing the PS5, the hardware, the heatsink, all that kind of stuff... They designed it with maybe a little bit on the conservative side, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, it's especially when you get these chips and, you know, you're testing them and stuff, 
it can take a while before you know exactly how, what kind of clock speeds you're going to run it at, what kind of voltage you need to run it at, all that kind of stuff, right? And so it would make sense to me that they wanted to make sure the PS5 was much quieter, which again, yeah, like you said, was one of the big issues with the PS4 generation. PS4s, especially some of those early PS4 Pros, sounded like jet engines, right? So they wanted to avoid that. My they wanted PS4 to kind of Pro I, was the worst. Like I yeah. had it in a cabinet, like with the, oh. with the door open, even with the cabinet door open, that thing was would scream like mm-hmm. it was so loud yeah yeah and so you can imagine i mean sony you know looking at the new ps5 obviously it's just a bigger console right so it's you know they sort of designed this from day one to be a larger sort of system to help with the noise and help with the cooling and everything and they did a great job right the launch ps5 performs exceptionally well it's super quiet not crazy hot one of the other things i've seen um in the many 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 tweets and stuff I've gotten over the last few days is people like, well, why are you saying this? Because the Xbox runs hotter, which is a fair criticism. The Xbox does have a higher sort of exhaust temperature, but also Xbox, if, if there's a new Series X that comes out tomorrow and it has even hotter temperatures because they removed part of the heatsink, I'd be happy to make a video about it, but it's not really the point of what I was yeah, talking the, the about. The point like, of this conversation, like this is, this is one of those things where people are just seeing what they want to see. The point of this mm-hmm. conversation is not comparing it against anything except itself. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And like, yeah. look, I fully believe that this new PS5 will be fine, right? Is it technically a little bit worse? Yeah, I do think so, right? Is it going to be something where you're like, oh my God, two years from now, my PS5 is on fire? No, absolutely not. So with the heatsink being slightly over-engineered, it makes sense, you know, to have that in there in day one. But with more time, with the final design, you know, kind of all set in stone, Sony probably felt very confident saying, you know what, we can trim back the size of this heatsink and we'll still be completely within all of, all of our targets of longevity and heat and everything. And if it runs at, you know, 75 versus 80 degrees on the chip, that's fine. It's not going to cause any problems. And I fully believe that, right? That's mm-hmm. completely reasonable. Mm-hmm. They're saving a lot of money on the materials, right? You know, there's aluminum, there's copper inside. They're also saving on like the shipping costs. Uh, it might not seem like a lot, you know, like, you know, half a pound or whatever, but that per PS5 per pallet, can result in $100 savings or whatever. There's like pretty significant money there to be saved by Sony, especially as they're trying to get these things to be profitable. So all of this to be said, the new PS5 is fine. And I will say, Mike, actually this is one of the the things, actually if you, this whole thing, uh, the probably the thing I feel worse about, uh, scalpers have absolutely jumped all over this and they have, massively inflated the price of the original no. launch PS5s. Yes. yes. You're making that was, it worse for everyone. Now uh, I'm mad at you. Uh, <laughs> I, I know, I know. And everyone's like, like, there's so many listings of like specifically saying it's the launch, the early model, and like, oh, you want the better one, right? Which I'm like, ah, okay. That one, my bad, guys. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, but look, if you buy the new PS5 and you get one of these 1100 models with the smaller heatsink, you're fine. It's fine. It will be okay. My whole point in the video and something that, as far as I know, no one else has cracked one open or has done one since, is that I cannot see any reason why this new model is not a downgrade. It might be a small downgrade, but it's a downgrade, right? If Apple comes out with the iPhone 13 and then six months later, they remove a chunk of the battery or they Mm -hmm. thin out the cooling so it overheats faster or whatever, it doesn't necessarily mean that that is a garbage phone but also i would want to know about it before i buy it that's i think a valuable thing to know it might not ultimately change my opinion on whether or not i want to purchase that but i think it's the same thing with the ps5 they released a new model it is different i 
think I somewhat fairly highlighted the differences, not like it's the end of the world, but also it is a difference and it's a negative difference in my opinion. Um, and now I've got like 50 videos calling me a liar on YouTube and Reddit and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, sad boys. Austin Evans exposed. The, look, I've been making videos a long time, Mike. Yeah. I've made a lot of videos. I think I've said things that were far more off base than what I said in this PS5 thing. <laughs> yeah. I have never, ever it's seen wild. this level of, of, yeah. Like, I've gotten off Twitter, basically. Um, Twitter is just like nonstop people calling me a shill or uh, I'm secretly like, uh, you know, Satya's padding my back pocket to talk bad about PS5 or whatever. Like, there's a lot of that. And there's a lot of just, like, honestly, just stupid stuff of people are like, well, yeah, it's good. I'm glad that Sony got rid of the the uh, superfluous materials on the inside. It's like, what? No, get, get out of here. Like, there's a it lot is of... really, like, the <laughs> fanboyism stuff, like the tribalism yeah. is so wild. Like, the way that people tie themselves into knots to try and answer questions for a company that they've got nothing to do with. Yep. But then, like, you know, I know I've just said that and now people are going to say, well, you do this. But I don't feel like I do do this. I feel like I'm very Mike, critical. Do you, do, do, you, do you make response videos to people uh, maybe to, I should to start, scoop up those right? views? And maybe like, I should yeah. start. I'm going I'm to make a video about why you're wrong. The, look, cash in, man. Look, I'm not, I'm not, look, if, if everyone wants to go out there and make that bread, feel free, right? Yeah, go like, for it. I, yeah. Go for it, right? Go for it. I have absolutely many times, maybe not called out specific people, but when there's controversy, when there's drama, if you have something to say, if you have a different opinion, by all means, go for it. And if that thumbnail of Austin with a liar stamp on my face gets you more uh, clicks, feel free, friends, feel free. But uh, I will say that I fully stand by what I said in that video. Good man. I fully stand by the fact that the PS5 is, maybe not hugely, but it is appreciably worse compared to the launch model. And if you want to disagree with me, feel free. But yeah, it is what it is. So it's been an exciting few days, Mike. It's been a very <laughs> exciting few days. Lots of people are very upset. And I'm just going to stay off Twitter, I think. That's really the, yeah, the that's key probably, to my that's, that's happiness. The big, learning. The big, the big <laughs> takeaway from this discussion is just, just delete the Twitter app. This episode of Test Drivers is brought to you by privacy.com. Well, I'm always buying things online. <laughs> it's the thing that I do all the time. These days as well, I find myself buying more and more things from like Instagram ads because I get very good Instagram ads. And I'm like, oh man, I like the look at this. And I open it up and I, you know, I'm taken to a website of a company that I don't know. And I want to buy the product. And it's like, okay, get into your card info. And I'm like, hmm. I don't know this company very well. And, you know, sometimes I might have a pause in it, right? Like, you know, what, what do I really think about this product? Like, is this the company? Are we going to be good here? Like, you know, I, I've been, I'm sure everybody else listening has been subject to some kind of like credit card duplication or fraud or stuff in the past. Like, this stuff just seems to be happening more and more. Well, privacy is a tool that makes all of this stuff just way easier to manage. You can take care of a financial life online while keeping your most important information secure. It does it by generating virtual card numbers so privacy masks your bank information. So you never have to worry about giving it out to people that you don't know. So like the way that it works is privacy you give you you know you put all of your information in and it will generate a fake like not fake it will generate a virtual card number is what i'm trying to say right so you can go into the privacy app and you can say like you want to create a, a, a number that you'll be able to then put into this payment window 
and it work, it goes through, everything's great, but then that company doesn't have your actual credit card number. So you're able to take back control of your payments, decide who can charge your card, how much, and how often. You can also close down these cards at any time. So if one of them uh, seems something seems to go wrong or it gets caught up in a data breach, you just close it off, create another one. And it's never actually your real card number. This can also make sure that you're never accidentally billed twice or upgraded to another service without your consent. And privacy is also partnered with 1Password, which is an app that I use all the time. So you can create, use, and save your privacy cards directly within your 1Password dashboard. All of your virtual cards created in 1Password have the exact same security benefits as your other privacy cards. And you can set spending limits, create single-use or merchant-locked cards as well whenever you want. So like this card number only works with this company and nobody else can bill it. This is super cool stuff. Go to privacy.com slash test drivers and you can sign up for an account today. New customers automatically get $5 to spend on your first purchase. Yes, that is free money. Go to privacy.com slash test drivers and sign up right now. Our thanks to Privacy for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right. It's Z Flip time. We both have them. We were worried. We even had like, a, we already had in true YouTuber style, an alternate title for this episode because there was going to be there was going to be a possibility that I was only going to be the one of the two of us who had a Z Flip because I, I just... was due to have mine sent out on the 25th, although it came like a week and a half early. I don't know what Samsung were up to over there. Yeah, my original date was the 31st and I believe it showed up on the 26th. So yeah, the original potential title for this episode was going to be Z flexing because I was going to flex on you with my Z flip. But luckily, both members of the Z flip gang, the head members of the Z flip whoa, gang whoa, have whoa, Z flips. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on, hold on. Head members. You can't There's say we're the than only just the two of us. Yeah, hopefully. yeah, 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 yeah. Hopefully. Oh, they're, they're out there. That that's the only good thing on Twitter right now is the Z flip gang. <laughs> it saves you, gives you life. Uh, you got the green one, right? I do. You got the lavender? Lilac, I think it's called. Oh, sorry, lilac. Uh, how do you like that? Because I've not seen it in person yet. When I first saw it, so I saw it in the store, I wasn't sure. But now I have it. I love it. I, I definitely got the right color for me. I, I have a like a purple phone, like a light purple phone, like a pinky purple phone. It's very nice. I like it a lot. I'm very into it. Nice. I do have the green. Uh, I had actually initially, when the pre-orders went live, I had ordered a black one from Samsung Direct, mostly because that was the fastest one I could get. Uh, but then I ended up getting the green one from Fi, which did come in. Um, I like the green. It's actually kind of similar to the green on the, I believe it's the 12 Pro and Pro Max this year, um, which I think it's a good green. It's like a subtle darker, but still like, it's got a little pop of color in it. Um, I have, uh, of course, added a D brand to the back of mine just because one thing I can't stand with Z flips is that when you pull it out of your pocket, it's like upside down or something. So I've got a textured D brand on the back so I can just kind of tell by feel when I pull the phone out. Um, but Mike, this is, I know obviously we've talked about this forever. Um, it's a good upgrade though. Like this yeah. hardware in a lot of ways that I mean, sure, you can watch a lot of videos and, and stuff, but if you've used the original Z Flip and you've come to the new one, or even if you just come to the new one sort of fresh, it's one thing to look at it and see it on you know camera and whatnot. It's another thing to feel it, and it feels damn good. Like it's it's a it's a significant upgrade in fit and finish and hinge strength. Like it just everything about it feels like it's a real 2.0 over the original Z Flip. The biggest thing for me that that is different. Um, and I don't know if this was 
like this on the second one. But from my first one to this one is when I open the phone, it doesn't do that thing where the top half kind of tilts back from the bottom half. Mm-hmm. So that was mm-hmm. on my original Z Flip. So kind of like if I had the phone straight up, the top half would be like just a, a degree or two back, but it always felt like the phone was misshapen. Um, no, th- that was that's definitely something new with the Z Flip 3. And that, that hinge has been significantly reworked this year. And it feels so much thing, better. I'll say one thing that gives me slight concern. So the hinge certainly feels to me a little bit firmer than the original hinge, which I think is a good thing, right? It has a lot more different stages where it will stop versus before it was kind of like, you could have it open like 90 degrees and much more like, you know, more or less than that, it wouldn't really hold. Um, This one, you know, you have lots of different positions, but uh, I was at the store yesterday, right? And they had a Z flip on display. I walk over there, I had a white one. I was like, oh, cool. I went to go open it. Uh, Mike, that hinge felt terrible. Like that hinge felt like it was almost already broken. See, my my thinking on that, honestly, is like people are monsters and I Mm -hmm. expect that there are some people that were trying to break it. I Probably, right? Right. Because it had been, uh, I think they actually, they've had the displays out for at least two, maybe even three weeks now. So yeah, I'm sure a lot of people go, oh, this flippy phone, flap, 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 like trying to like break it or something. Mm -hmm. Like, sure. They're trying to do a uh, jerry rig on it. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. let's not, let's not, let's, let's not go there. Let's not go there. Uh, <laughs> uh, Z flip's good. I don't like, uh, look, I appreciate Zach's videos. I appreciate knowing the limits of foldable technology and just how durable. Someone's got to do it, I suppose, right? Like someone's Yes, they do. do. And but I'm no going to fast else, forward the video. Just one person. I, I watched Zach's like folding phone videos, like someone who's like afraid of horror movies where I'm just like, I'm like kind of covering one eye. I'm like oh, ready yeah. to fast forward if it gets scary. I'm like, ah, no, his, no uh, not the sand. His Z fold video was, was surprising. That thing held up big time. And I totally buy that because mm-hmm. again, going from Z flip to Z flip three, the screen feels so much better. The screen protector certainly plays a role here because uh, the original screen protector... Uh, the screen protector, I know, though. I know. Okay, but for real, though, the screen protector does feel a lot more like a regular screen than the old one, which just felt kind of soft, almost like one of those like old-school like stylus touchscreens. Yes. Um, I will agree that, with you. The feel of it is great, but there is a big issue that we both have with the screen protector. <laughs> so I don't know why they've done this because the first one wasn't like this. Um, there is a like couple of millimeter border. So the screen protector sits on top of the phone. And then there's like between the screen protector and the edge of the phone, there's like a couple of millimeters all the way around where the screen protector is not covering. So it very clearly looks like something you're supposed to take off. Plus on both mm-hmm. my phone and your phone, it has a little U-shaped cut out like around the camera and it's mm-hmm. not perfectly centered. Uh, yeah, look. I don't uh, understand. Like, <laughs> Samsung, if you don't want me to take this off, don't make it look like it's supposed to come off. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I, you had sent me yours when you had gotten it. And I feel it was like your first thing was like, oh my God, the screen protector isn't straight. This is going to like kill me. And at first I was like, ah, it's not so bad. And then I got mine and I'm like, oh my God, mine's just as bad. <laughs> See? Uh, I, I was mean, just look, complaining. <laughs> look, I mean, as with a lot of things in a folding phone, right? Whether it's the, you know, the little um, dip for in the middle where the crease is mm-hmm. or, you know, the hole punch or whatever. Like, there are little things I think you can kind of get used to. I've already kind of ignored it. Like, if you look at it, it looks unfinished. I can ignore it. When yeah. I'm using the phone, I don't see it, right? Like, and, and that's mm-hmm. even more like, with the crease, 
I see it, especially in the studio. I have like big overhead lights. And just in yeah. general, this phone is very reflective. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. because of the screen protector or not, but it's, it's much more reflective than my iPhone. And it's especially yeah. reflective on the crease. But when I'm using my phone, I don't see the screen protector anymore. So like I can live with that. Yeah. Part. Like it, 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 whenever the screen is off, I can see it. But honestly, usually when the screen is off, I'm not looking at my phone because the phone is closed. Like that's the difference between this and say my iPhone where I can see my iPhone right now. The screen is off because I'm not using it, but my Z flip it's folded in half. So I can, I can do it. Wait, Mike, are you trying to tell me that I can't use the title? The Z flip is worse because the screen protector is technically worse. I mean, you can can do do that that? if you want to, you know, but to be honest, Austin, you know, I don't really think you're going to upset that many people, you know, (laughs) Like, there oh. aren't that many people, I feel like, that you know, are okay. really going to get on you. The Z Flip gang are very understanding. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I wouldn't do the Z Flip gang like that. Trust me, I, I wouldn't do you <laughs> like that. Just PlayStation. Like, if I, I'm only going to go off the Sony. <laughs> like, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Uh, run that one back. Run that one back. Um, the rest of the design on the Z Flip is also nice, though. Like, the, oh, the two-tone good. pixel it look. looks yes. good. Like, the flat asides. Like, this is a... This is a much more refined phone, and I applaud Samsung for continuing to do things with this phone specifically that make it feel fashionable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. a phone that lends itself to having a bit of style more than many other phones, I think, because it's, I don't know, it's just got that look about it where it just feels yeah. more like an object most of the time than a phone. And I think one of the things that uh, makes a lot of sense for the Z Flip, I know a little bit for the first one, but especially for the second one, um, I think there are a lot of people who maybe carry like a, a purse or a small little bag around or have the unspeakably awful tiny pockets that I think should be banned from the universe because they're useless and terrible and everyone deserves full-size pockets. Uh, there's a lot of people, I think, who really are finding the Z Flip to be, yeah, like you said, not only sort of fashionable and cool, but also practical, right? I think that's one of the things that I've seen a lot of people who are like, ah, folding phone, whatever. Because, I mean, we've talked about it before. Most people think when they think foldable phones, they think the fold, right? The larger Mm -hmm. kind of regular smartphone that opens up to a tablet versus the Z Flip, which is like a regular smartphone which folds down into like a half-size phone, right? But I think what a lot of people have kind of missed is that, well, yeah, sure, you might be happy to carry around your seven-inch big chungus edition iPhone or whatever. And like, cool, if you've got massive pockets, you don't mind it, sweet, whatever. But I think a lot of people do appreciate something which is significantly smaller in footprint, easier to carry, all that kind of stuff. Um, so look, uh, we, we're, I know we're preaching to the choir, right? The Z Flip gang understands. But I, I think more people, now that the Z Flip 3 is a little bit more of a complete package, are starting to clue in a little bit on, it's not just a gimmick. There are actual practical benefits, especially for people who, yeah, are a little bit more megaphone-averse. Yeah, the thing, though, to remember on that is it's nice when it's folded because it's a small form factor, and it's a narrow phone, which makes it easy to hold, mm-hmm. but it's super hard. It's almost impossible to get to the top of the screen with one hand. It's tall. Yeah, It's, it's, it's a it, tall phone. When you open it up, it is a big phone. I, I would mm-hmm. say it is. it is... A large display. But that being said, I'm very happy that they kept the side-mounted fingerprint reader. And I yep. highly encourage all of the Z Flip gang, especially the, the new members who may be just getting their Z Flip 3s, go into the settings and turn on the side key where you can use the fingerprint sensor as like a swipe. So you can actually just swipe down on this fingerprint sensor and it will pull down your notification tray. Absolute massive game changer to tip. me. Yeah. That removes almost all need for me to like kind of you know, do the double hand shuffle and try to reach up there. I swipe down on that 
nine times out of 10 when I need to open up like my notifications or touch pretty much anything on the top of the screen. Um, also, a couple of other things for, again, the, the hardcore Z Flip gang Good members tips. out there. They've got some new software features, um, one of which is there's a battery limit feature. Um, so I don't know, Mike, how you charge your devices. But for me, I never like to let things hit 100% if I can avoid it. I always like to charge things like 80 90% mm -hmm. since that just helps the longevity of the battery. And so for me, like with the original Z Flip, I would just, you know, kind of drop it on the wireless charger or whatever. I'd kind of keep an eye on it. And when it's like getting close, I just pull it off. Uh, but there's now a setting, if you go into the battery settings, you can limit the battery to only charge up to 85%. You can still turn that off and charge it to 100% if you're going to have like a travel day or anything like that. Uh, but I've turned that on immediately. And well, yeah, of course, it makes making like the battery life we'll talk about, I guess, in a second. It, it makes it making through a full day at 85% a little bit tricky. But also for me, I feel like I can drop this thing on a charger with impunity because I don't have to worry like, oh, whatever, it'll just charge to 85% and it's fine. Yeah, I was just asked the question about this on another show that I do about like if I manage battery and like someone wanted this exact toggle on the iPhone. Mm -hmm. I don't ever want to have to think about this stuff. I feel like the device should be just working it out for me. That's my feeling on this. Sure. Like, I think I don't think Samsung should have this toggle. I think Samsung Samsung should learn from my behavior patterns and charge my phone accordingly. I, I don't really think that it's something you should put on the user. Like mm, you yeah. should be the one who is uh, keeping your eye on. It. Like I feel like this is something that our phones should be working out for us, as yeah. opposed to me doing it myself. I get it. I, I like the ability to tweak that stuff. It's the same thing if you have like an electric car or something. You shouldn't ever charge it to 100% unless you're, I guess, some cars do have like kind of that built in like 5 to 10%, which you just can't access the mm -hmm. kind of to help protect the battery. But if you have like, you know, a Tesla or whatever, you can set it to like 80, 85%. And that's kind of the, the best practice to get the longest life out of it. I think it's similar for a smartphone or for pretty much any kind of rechargeable battery. But it's, it's a nice feature. Uh, you can ignore it if you want. I would like the inverse feature, right? Like the phone only ever charges to 85% unless I say, hey, give me a bit of extra juice tomorrow. Like a little toggle that you can yeah. have like in the, yeah, that would be nice because right now you have to dig in to your battery settings and then manually turn it off. So yeah. I would agree. It's like you have low power mode and you have high power mode, which mm -hmm. lets you unlock more. Yeah, it'd be cool. Just, to, you know, so if I'm traveling or whatever, then I could get mm -hmm. a little bit of extra battery life. But outside of that, like don't ever charge that high. But you know, yeah. At the same time, I still think that like the device should learn from me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's. I think it's something that's. It's. Maybe it's, it's a step in the right direction. Uh, another feature that I think is definitely worth considering is hopping into the labs and enabling the flex mode that can be forced yeah. on in apps. Yeah. So the flex mode is essentially when you have the phone folded, a number of apps, including most of the Samsung stock apps, as well as things like YouTube, will have a different layout when you have the phone partially folded. So for example, YouTube, it will move all of the, the Chrome, all the, you know, the, the UI to the bottoms of the screen, and the top half of the screen will just be your video with black bars, right? Which I like because it's just, it's a nicer viewing experience. It's also helpful in like a video chatting app, right? Something like Google Duo, or in the camera, if you want to set it down and use this like a tripod or something, it will move your viewfinder to the top and put all your controls on the bottom. Really helpful feature. Um, now, that's obviously for apps that have been fully designed to take advantage of that. However, if you turn on this labs feature and you can go in on an app-by-app -app basis and turn on or off, as soon as you put it into flex mode, it will automatically resize the app you're using to the top half of the screen. And then it will give you just some generic controls on the bottom for like brightness and volume, et cetera. It's not something I would turn on for everything. Certain apps, I think, work better than others based on how you use them. 
But for some things, like for example, maybe like a Twitch or some video chatting apps that don't support uh, flex mode, like basically everything that's not like Google Duo, this is something super helpful and that you yep. can kind of keep everything you need on that top part of the screen. And you get some buttons, right? Like I think it's like a screenshot button, uh, mm -hmm. like a brightness yep. button that just appear on the bottom screen and then you get everything on the top screen. And similarly exactly. like to that flex mode thing, you know, that the split screen multitasking top and bottom. I love it. I it's love great. It. It's great. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where with the flex mode, it will automatically, if you have like inside the labs feature, if you have like whatever app turned on for that, as soon as you start to fold the phone up a little bit, it will automatically resize the app. You don't have to touch anything, which is really fast because as much as I like the multitasking, it still feels like it takes uh, five more seconds more than it should. I wish there's a slightly faster way of doing it. But yeah, just a couple tips for Z Flip gang members. Uh, these are actually, I think both of those features are brand new specifically to the new Z Flip and the Z Fold. I actually don't even think they're out on the existing Flip and Fold or any other Samsung devices. So just a couple little tips, but there's a lot of good stuff with this phone, man. There's a lot of good stuff. There's some stuff that's good. There's some stuff that's, I find frustrating at times still though. I mean, just general stuff, like Android stuff seems strange to me. Like sometimes when I use it, like I'm surprised by how many applications don't have dark modes. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. Like yeah. apps that have dark modes on iOS but don't have dark modes on Android. I find that very peculiar. Mm -hmm. um, I found this phone. I don't remember if this was the same with the last one, but just in general, it's a very fingerprinty phone. I feel like my fingerprints are all over this phone all the time. Yeah. Like both the inside and outside screen. Uh, the cover screen looks way nicer, but I have a couple of issues with it. Okay. Um, one, just activating the screen, I feel like should be like one single tap. Yes, like, I, I agree. If I double mm -hmm. tap on it, I hit the side button. And I don't understand why that should be. I feel like it should just be one tap. Like like yeah. most, you know, like most phone screens, right? Just like the actual typical screen, like you just tap it to wake it. With this one, you have to double tap it, and I don't know why that is. I find that frustrating. Um, it doesn't really feel that much more useful, to be honest. Yes, yes, yeah. That's the thing. I was kind of surprised in some of the the coverage from a lot of other people. Uh, a lot of people are like, oh, this is like the biggest upgrade to the Z Flip. I'm just like, really? I mean, it's nicer, you know, but fundamentally for me it doesn't do anything that the other didn't, right? Like it's, I mean, it's significantly bigger. It's nicer for like, you know, taking selfies and you can actually like open up a notification versus reading like eight characters, like an old pager or something. And some of the widgets are like vaguely useful, but like I, I still find myself using this thing exactly the same way I use the other one, which is when the phone's closed, I double tap it to check the time, to check the battery, or maybe look at a notification real quick. And then every once in a while, I'll use it to take a uh, selfie or something. Yep. Outside of that, Nice upgrade doesn't fundamentally change really anything about the way I use the Z Flip, which is fine, but it's no like Moto Razor display, which is essentially like a full smartphone interface that you can use, yep. albeit a small one. They still have to make it bigger. Like this is going to be uh, the continued yep. thing for the Z Flip. Just keep making that screen bigger. This is the same as they were dealing with the Z Fold. Like keep making it bigger every year, bigger, bigger, bigger. Like honestly... Give me the entire front of this the display of the phone, right? Like that should be where they where they should be going with this. Like, so I have yeah. a really tiny phone, right? When I want a really tiny phone, and I open it up and I have a regular phone. And like, because if you could, if they could do that, give me hot like that entire full screen, like on the front is a display. That would be friggin' awesome, right? Yeah, like that would be super good. 
imagine uh, if we get a little spicy here on Z Flip 7 rumors, uh, imagine if you put the cameras maybe on the backside or yeah. imagine you flip the phone over, right? So like on one side, like maybe the cameras stay where they are, but you flip the ca- uh, the phone over to the reverse side and that is where the big screen is, right? Mm-hmm. Where you could have a, yeah, like you said, a full interface. Oh, no, but if we're going for like Z Flip 7, those cameras will be on the displays anyway, so we won't even... No, no, let's not do that That's one. That's where they're uh, going, man. It's, look, I believe genuinely within like five or six years, we'll be able to get full just full quality cameras under the display. I'll find a way to uh, do it. Like, I, I remain confident in the possibility of this. I want to talk about, you mentioned selfies. I will never understand this. And Samsung, what do you, why? You know what I'm going to say here, right? Like, I know, I know. Why? When I take a selfie with the phone closed, is it square? Why do you do this? There is no way to change this. If I use the front display, which is not a square display, to Mm -hmm. take a selfie, (laughs) they are in a one-by-one aspect ratio, right? Like it is a square photo. But if I open the display, turn it around on me, and even turn on that like show me the preview thing, I can take a full-size selfie. Why do they think I only want a square selfie when it's closed? I do not understand this, and it drives me mad. It's not even a Z Flip-specific thing because the original Z Flip would let you take full-size selfies. Like I, I don't remember this ever being a problem, or at least not that I can recall. No, the Z Flip was like this, too. The regular Z Flip was, was like it? this, too. Yeah, yeah. The, the, it's always been square images when you take it with the phone closed. With the, oh, oh, yeah, sure, sure. When, when it's closed, I think, yeah. as long as you have the screen open. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, it's kind of annoying. I, I, to be fair, most it's kind of rare for me to just to take a selfie with the screen closed. Like I pretty much always do that as a gimmick, but anytime I'm actually doing it, usually I'm like fiddling around with like the modes on the inside and then I flip the screen around and turn it on. So I guess I don't notice that as much. Uh, I think my bigger complaint, if we're whinging about Z Flip 3 and why the Z Flip gang is ready for another one already, uh, the stupid cameras are the same. The yeah. exact, exact that is the big problem. Same. That is the that's the biggest issue here is that they just haven't changed the cameras. We spoke about this last time. Like we knew this was going to be the case, but these are already old. Ca- these are old camera systems when they put it in the original Z Flip. We're now onto mm-hmm. the third Z Flip, and like let's just be real here, right? Look, we know that Google did this for a long time with the Pixel. But they were outperforming <laughs> what these cameras, yeah. like, you know, like just from a, like a fundamental level at the time, you know, like Google didn't change the Pixel camera for a long time, but the Pixel camera was like super, super good. And these are like, it's fine, but this is this phone cost a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, this is a camera system that was originally on the Galaxy S10e, which was a like six or seven hundred dollars smartphone from three years ago at this point. Yeah. Samsung, I mean, look, Samsung. They take good images. Like, they're not bad cameras, like no. you said. Uh, but, I mean, it looks like a three-year-old $600 Samsung, right? I, I mean, mean honestly, just... for me, it is more of a principal thing than a camera quality mm-hmm. thing. That, like, I've mm-hmm. paid a lot of money for this phone, and I don't... There hasn't been any upgrade to the camera system. If they were still giving me one-year-old cameras, I would be okay yeah. with that. But that's yep. not what they've done. This is multiple years old. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that kind of bothers me, in fact, actually, I know this is like a complete complaint corner, but uh, if I was going to say I'm going to bring it back to good in a minute. Don't worry. Don't okay, worry. okay, okay. If I were to give my biggest problem with the Z Flip 3, it's battery life. 
Now, yes, yeah, I know. Yeah, I just yeah. said that I charge the phone to 85%. Yes, I know. And yeah, some days, to be fair. 15% is being chopped off. So, like, <laughs> that's, you know, I, I, if you want a little bit more battery, Austin, I've got a great tip for you. There's a to setting. be fair, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I don't always leave the 85 on. In fact, the All first right. three or four days of my use, I did not leave it on. I had it fully charged to 100%. Um, I would say it is slightly worse than the original Z Flip. And I would really chalk that up to the screen, which the screen's majorly upgraded. We'll talk, I will talk about that. But it's the exact same size battery as the original Z Flip. And that original Z Flip battery was marginal at best, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, I'm an iPhone 12 mini user. So like I use two phones with pretty terrible battery life, which combined kind of make it through the day. But it's, I think if you were obviously, uh, as I would assume most people are not on the dual phone life. And if you're going to buy the Z Flip, it's going to be your daily driver and it's all you use. You can probably get through most days on a full charge. But what you will not do is get through most days comfortably on a full charge at like 30, 40% when you go, you know, go home at the end of the night or whatever, which is something you can do on most flagships. Or I mean, even like, you know, mm-hmm. stuff that costs a thousand dollars. Like it's not hard to get really solid battery life. I think that as much as I love the form factor of the Z Flip 3, if they made it just a little bit thicker and could give me another couple hours of battery life, I would take that trade because even ignoring the whole 85% thing, which works great if you're able to like drop your phone and like top it off here or there for like 15 minutes here and 20 minutes there, but the somewhat mediocre battery life paired with the fact that it only has 15 watt wired charging, which just feels old at this point, Battery to me is like, it's manageable. It's okay, especially because I do use the two phones and it's easy enough the vast majority of the time for me to like sit down at my desk and just charge it for 10 minutes and I'm fine. But if this is your daily device, which I think this could be a daily driver for a lot of people, certainly more so than the original Z Flip. Yeah, I think this is the first one that I could, I mean, we're not original in this, but this is the first folding phone that I could say someone could just buy this and be fine with it. Like and yeah. it's and it can just be your phone. Like you don't have to mm-hmm. think that it's like this cutting edge device. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I guess that would be the big thing if someone is considering joining the Z Flip gang. Um, consider maybe keeping a battery bank around. Like to me, it really reminds me of the way that phones kind of felt a few years ago. Um, where you know, I think there was a point in time around I don't know, two thousand eighteen, two thousand nineteen where everyone kind of stepped up their game and smartphone batteries just got bigger. And now we just expect like, oh, pretty much any phone should last through all day. Of course it should. And I think this just feels like a slightly older school mentality. It's certainly doable. It's certainly workable. But I think uh, something to keep in mind is that those cameras are older feeling and the battery just isn't as much of an endurance champ as I think it really should be. Um, I will say, I will say on the battery though, this phone for me is like the perfect Qi charging phone. It's the first phone that I've ever really charged in a Qi charger because it's so small. It kind of just fits (laughs) on the charger really nicely. Oh, oh, okay. I actually have something to say on that. Uh, To be fair, this is not a Z Flip 3 specific thing. I think it's a Z Flip thing in general. It doesn't fit on all Qi chargers. Oh, really? So a lot of car chargers are taller and vertical and straight up in my wife's car it does not charge it's too low i would have to prop it up like a couple inches for it to actually line up with the with the uh charger 
Just something to consider if you're planning on charging this in the car or any kind of like vertical charger. If it's a flat it's charger, small, you're fine. Right. Uh, yeah, yep. yeah. Because the Qi charger would usually be in the middle of the phone. Well, the, mm -hmm. technically, the middle of this phone is like the bottom third of a regular phone. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So just something to consider. If you got a flat charger, totally fine. But um, there's enough of the time where I'm like, I just have to have like a cable in the car because I know I'm just not going to be able to get this thing to reliably charge. As soon as I, you know, take one corner, it slips off its tiny little like kind of area where I was getting a little bit of a charge. So something to consider. Um, but Mike, I feel like we've said a lot of negative stuff. I think with that out of the way, there are some real upgrades here. You know, we've already talked about the build quality. I think performance is great. I, I, it doesn't feel like significantly different realistically like most of these triple eight phones going from like an 865 or an 855 last year it feels perfectly smooth perfectly powerful uh i will say in my you know first week or so of using the phone i do think the thermals are a little bit more under control this phone gets hot it does but i haven't had any overheating issues which i did have from time to time especially here you know california summer my iphone overheats quite a bit Oh, does it really? My iPhone 12 Pro Max gets hot. Like the biggest thing to me, if I go, if I update apps, if I have a bunch of app updates, the top left corner of my iPhone, like if I'm looking at it top right, if you're going on the back, it becomes physically uncomfortable to touch. It's where the CPU is. Mm -hmm. I even have it sometimes if I've got a bunch of updates going on, say I'm watching a video, the screen starts dimming. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That. That's my, pretty hardcore. My phone I, gets real hot. And, but I noticed, like, similarly, this phone, too, if I'm doing a lot of... In, like, when I was doing the setup, I couldn't really touch it. It was too un, it was too hot to touch comfortably when half. I was doing the setup. Yeah, the top yeah. half. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You know, like, the Z Flip essentially has half the cooling of most phones since they mm -hmm. can't really run, like, heat pipes or anything through the hinge to the bottom. Like, all the heat is sort of sequestered to that top half of the phone unless I guess you're charging which the bottom might and get warm with the hey, charger Austin, we all know if you cut out half of a heat sink <laughs> you know that's gonna, the Z gonna, flip is worse Z the Z flip is worse ship the, the video <laughs> Z flip is worse than all phones <laughs> oh god um, but I, 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 I'm done end of podcast thanks thanks for listening I'm not done yet I'm not done yet I'm not done yet <laughs> Uh, but no, uh, that being said, I have not had any app crashes, screen dims, or my errors from the phone saying it's too hot, which sure, especially sure, sure. in sort of California summer, I did have from time to time on the Z Flip 2. So I will say not, uh, not conclusive. I haven't spent enough time with it. But so far, at least it seems like it is slightly better than the original Z Flip and certainly no worse, even though you know it has the AAA mm -hmm. and it's got 5G and millimeter wave and all this kind of nonsense on it that the, at least the 5G version of the Z Flip only had sub six. So there's a lot of extra stuff going on there. It doesn't seem like they've impacted the performance. Can I just talk about what I think is the best thing on this phone? Hit me. 120 hertz refresh rate display. Dude, the display. Okay. Display is so good. And it's it's not just the 120 hertz too, right? Obviously, you know, the smoother responsiveness is great. You know, it feels so much better to use. And, you know, I, I've been using Z Flip 3 for a few days. I go back to the Z Flip 2. I'm like, oh, look yeah. at this. This is a phone for, for cave people. Mm -hmm. But I actually think my favorite part of the new Z Flip is not actually the refresh rate. It is the brightness. This screen yeah. is so much better. It's so yeah. much brighter. Like, I was surprised. So, so, you know, like the iPhone 12 mini, right? It's got a pretty good display. And when I'm outside, it is pretty viewable even in full daylight. The Z Flip 3 is brighter, which I was not expecting. Because hmm. the Z Flip, the original Z Flip was 
really damp. Like we're talking like you know a phone that kind of feels old. Like the original Z Flip, the max display brightness felt like it was from like 2014. Like it was you're in the shade or you're like barely able to see anything, especially if you have dark mode, like forget it. The new Z Flip 3 for me is 100% usable and 100% bright enough to be used pretty much in any circumstance ever, which is such a relief. Cause that Z Flip, like there are a lot of times I straight up like had to like step into the shade to see my phone. Like it was like not even funny at how dim that original display was. Yeah, I was, this is one of the things that I was noticing um, when I was comparing the two phones is that is that difference. I will say... Uh, this phone does not feel as bright as my 12 Pro Max does. Like the screen okay. on my 12 Pro Max does feel nicer than this, but overall it's a massive improvement. My big thing is the 120 Hertz refresh rate. Like I think it looks fantastic. It makes the phone feel so snappy, so responsive, so powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still seeing some of the some of the strangeness in some apps that I've always found on Android with like the way that they scroll. Like Instagram yeah. feels so different in a way that like I don't really feel like I can <laughs> explain what it feels like it's doing is like it's it's trying to predict my scrolling a bit more and snap to certain locations like i don't feel like i'm as in control of the scrolling on my z flip as i do on my iphone so i will Mm -hmm. say uh i'm super excited about the possibility now of the iphone getting a 120 hertz refresh rate display oh Um, yeah the guy's gonna look amazing but i i think that honestly like i i kind of can't believe like when when we found out this had a 120 hertz display i was like no there's no way how are they doing this <laughs> like and i still feel like that like because you know the z flip if you've been into it as much as we have for this amount of time it still has that feeling of like and it still shows it in some places of like this phone is really pushing itself like yeah. what it's capable of and like one of the ways we're seeing that is in the cameras right like that samsung is not able to or cannot for whatever reason put a better camera system in this thing right now because obviously they very clearly want to avoid a camera bump on this phone right and i feel like that makes sense um so they're putting all the things in there so the 120 hertz display uh, same as the, the water resistance as well like those two features that that i think have made a big jump for this phone in a faster than i thought they were going to be able to manage it yes 100 percent agree right like the Z Flip 3 is the biggest glow up of a essentially a second generation product yep. I think I may have ever seen. Right? Yep. Like the I first Z Flip, we were able to use it. You know, like I, it stuck in my pocket the whole time. Like I, mm-hmm. I loved it. Uh, but it was certainly a phone that had a lot of compromises on price, on durability. On I mean, it definitely felt like it was a phone with a plastic display, which this phone does yeah. not feel like. Not at all, right? You've got the performance. You've got the far better build quality. I mean, I know we were talking about like, you know, just the fit and finish, but even smaller things like the original Z Flip had what was a pretty chunky sort of like lip around mm-hmm. the whole display, which I get was, you know, there to kind of help from, you know, the screen smashing in, into itself or making sure that there was some protection on it. This does still have a lip. It's not like completely smooth. Like it's if you're kind of like hitting the left or right. No. So like, much better. It has those little tiny, very, very small rubber bumpers at the bottom. But like yep. you would, you don't even notice them unless you're looking for them. Wait, you should say the original, it kind of felt like a bumper car, right? Like it, like, like yes. it would just have this like, you know, don't don't smash into each other too hard. Like, and similarly, the hinge just feels so good now. Like, mm-hmm. it just feels so strong, but not like too strong. I can still open it with one hand, which isn't the easiest thing okay, to do, yeah. but you can do it. I can do it, but I mean, I wouldn't want to do it over concrete. <laughs> yeah, I 
I've never been on the one hand flip. I just to me, like even on like my you know Z Flip 5G, which toward the end that hinge was getting loosey. Um, even then, I didn't feel great about just like kind of flicking it open. Like it was, eh. but yeah, this does to me the tightness of the hinge means this one is firmly in the two hand open camp. But I guess if you've got those Mike Hurley skills, I just did the the flicking for the first time. That's fun. I'm not gonna do that. But like I just I just like open the phone and like you know like flicked it and it works like oh that's cool I'm not going to make that a habit but I've never tried that before I think we call that the Quinn Nelson around here the Quinn, oh my Quinn God. loves to throw his Z flip around hey look the if that original Z flip held up relatively well mm-hmm. short of I guess really the screen cracking issues that sort of a lot of people ended up having I feel good that. It might not be 100% perfect. Certainly, there is a point in which any kind of moving flexible hinge and screen stuff is going to fail, right? Of course, it's going to it's not going to be able to work forever, but it feels a lot better. And if it's even a moderate step up from the original Z Flip, I would feel pretty confident in saying that this phone will not have significantly worse sort of mm-hmm. longevity and durability issues than a standard phone. Not going to be as good. You're certainly going to have potential, mm-hmm. especially if you have it open. I think my big fear would be if you have the phone like half open or like fully open and like you crush it in like a weird angle or you put a lot of torque and twisting on that hinge. I think that's probably where you're going to have the most sort of potential for damage. Um, but it's a folding phone. And I think it's hard to say that Samsung have not done their very best to improve it, especially gen over gen, but just in general, to a point where I think it would be a an acceptable trade-off for most people, given the coolness and the features that you get. I think they've done a really good job this year. I think ultimately, we were never expecting the next Z Flip to be a perfect phone. Like, mm-hmm. and never to have all of the things that we would ideally want it to have, because we're being realistic. We understand what they're doing here, right? There's so much about this phone that is still cutting edge, and Samsung is still working it out, right, in public. This is what Samsung does so well. They work it out, and they put the effort in. But I think it is very easy to say that this is still a vastly better version of this phone than we were expecting it to be. And for that, like, I congratulate Samsung on what they were able to achieve because this thing is really freaking cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is, and we haven't really talked about the price. We're just talking about, like, the, the device. Like, if all of this were the upgrades that we had seen and they kept it the same price, I would feel good about it. They've cut the price by, like, $400. Like, this is now a $1,000 device. Yep. Sure, $1,000 is not cheap. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's, it's budget. Like, obviously, it's crazy town. Like, that's, that's, just, that's ridiculous, right? It's not a cheap phone by any means. But it is a much more attainable price, I think. You know, $1,000 is, is where... This is the coolest phone you can get for $1,000. Like, absolutely. From a cool absolutely. factor. Like, I love my iPhone. This is so much cooler than my iPhone. Yep. Right? My yep. iPhone, it looks boring compared to this, and I have the gold one. <laughs> this is a perfect folding phone. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. I just, look, the Z Flip gang, we have great news. If you are on the fence, if you have considered joining the Z Flip gang up until this point, if you're Z curious, <laughs> if you're Z curious, <laughs> now is the time, friends. The water's warm and it's, it's all ready for your, um, your, your folding. Uh, it's time to flip out. We can go flip, with that. Flip, flip. Come flip, flip out in. with us. <laughs> the, the Z Flip Gang podcast starting soon. <laughs> <laughs> it already is that.